Well, welcome back to the podcast, Conversations with Jeff Bucknam. Dr. Jeff Bucknam is the pastor, lead teaching pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicagoland. Tommy, get it right. Yeah, I just was like the pastor, right? Yeah, you're trying to throw in all the doctors and yeah. reverends and all that stuff in there. <laughs> Dr. Reverend Pastor Jeff Bucknam. <laughs> and uh, I'm your host, Tommy Kreitz, and we are going to have a conversation with someone today because we believe that everyone has a story. But before we get into that, we are going to have another discussion a discussion before the story. These are the things that we like to talk about. And it's can range from anything from information about random things that you never knew to stories to life experience to What do you got today, Tommy? Well, nothing. You um, seem like you're 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 ready to go with I'm something. ready to go with something. I so it was just announced that uh, by NASA that they're going back to the moon, correct? Correct. Tuesday. NASA like the whole thing, NASA. They're we're back. they're they're scheduling, planning another mission to the moon. A moon landing. A moon. Why? Um, isn't the moon like I don't know when you go to I don't know Waco, Texas, and you're like, yeah, I kind of been there. So yeah, that's. Uh, I think the gravity's a little different. Not, we don't need to go back. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <clears throat> I I didn't read. I just you know, saw it's the, like the destination. That's what I mean. Like wait, Waco, where you're like, eh. I'm trusting it's Wesley. It's a nice holiday, but yeah. I don't know. I'm trusting no, our, not Hawaii. I'm trusting our producer Wesley, who gave this information to us. Um, and so I don't know any of the reasons why, but here's my. It's it, this is what I think. Just off of hearing that, they want to prove all of the conspiracy theorists wrong and yeah. prove that they can go to the moon, right? Because there's a whole conspiracy. Yeah. Of the fact that the moon landing was a hoax. Yeah. We never went. Why it was videoed by Stanley Kubrick and in a studio. Have you seen the shadows? The shadows are Yeah, all have you wrong. seen the patterns? Have you seen the patterns in, in, in the shining on the floor, the Argyle and yeah. the same thing? And yeah, it's like a huge, like yeah. huge conspiracy. And then the fact that like there was a they they lost some things at NASA and that's what kept us from returning for whatever like it's a huge conspiracy so my my are you into that conspiracy i i do find i know like just, into you, it in, you read in what way it, yeah 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 of course <laughs> of course i find it all i find all conspiracies so fascinating is that your favorite conspiracy <sighs> bigfoot Ooh. no cryptids uh are, are pretty fun because um in wisconsin there's a there's a specific cryptid what's a cryptid it's like um, the Loch Ness monster, Bigfoot. Oh, um, there's like a general name. For there's a name those for it. Animals? Yeah, yeah. Cryptid. Yeah, okay. and so there's one in Wisconsin in Rhinelander. It's like all the way up north. It's called a hodag. <laughs> the hodag. <laughs> anyway, so there's a lot. Have the you, chupacabra you, is one. Chupacabra. Yeah, from from Mexico. Yeah. Uh, those are the ones. Loch Ness you, monster is yeah, one. You find those to be the best. No. Um, but I do think that, uh, again, I think that it's fascinating. I don't think that they exist. I think that we probably would have right, caught one. Tommy, before we get I think into that this when thing. they do the videos, have you seen the videos of like the Bigfoot? Yeah. I think it's hilarious because it's like obviously a guy in a monkey costume just walking through <laughs> the woods. Uh, yeah, no, I've seen that video. Yeah. The mon- uh-huh. the- so Tommy, if but, you had to choose yeah. one of the conspiracy theories that floats around oh. and you had to believe... If I had to believe it. Absolutely. This is this is actually a thing. What would you what would you pick? I know what I would pick. Do you? Okay. Um I mean there's so which one so is this a question of 
Like, which one do I think is the funniest? Or is no, this like, a, I mean, what, what do one, I think like, is most part, part possibly of, part true? Inside of your head, you're kind of like, well, I don't know. Like, <sighs> like, you would not be surprised at all to find out that that's, that's actually a thing. I mean, the JFK conspiracy, right? Like, there's so many murky details on that. But, like, it wouldn't be entirely surprising if it, there was some sort of cover. Yeah. Shadow two, government. Two shooters. Two, yeah, right. The Rocky, yeah, right. I mean, like, uh, I used to have to drive down the very lane that JFK got shot in when I would deliver the mail in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, right in the middle of it. In fact, the first time I went down there, the guy I was riding with <laughs> my he favorite. Goes, he got all quiet for a minute, and and I was I looked over and I'm like, why why are you getting all quiet? And he put his hand up, you know, like to say wait. Yeah. And he went, bang, and I, <laughs> I. I jumped in my seat and he said right there that's where that's where he got it I was like, what? <laughs> you should not be a tour guide wow <laughs> terrible wow okay what's your favorite or, so what, or sorry sorry is, not your favorite but no, what, the one that i think is actually legit yeah oh uaps see i should have said that one because yeah. that one's like really yeah i should have said that phenomenon i'm gonna get so much flack for the jfk one i absolutely think that there's there's the thing like the little tic tac yeah it's yeah, absolutely. That's an alien. Do you believe in aliens? Okay, here okay, we go. So here's my theory. Though. Now we're going no, down no, no, the no. rabbit here's trail. My, here's my theory, though. Okay. I'm not saying that that's an alien. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you know yeah. that where they found these things? Have you ever follow up some some of the, mm. the stuff, the, the Navy pilots and stuff have like legit seen these things and their ability to go from one location to another is amazing. Yeah. And they followed actually the navigational settings on the aircraft and got to the locations where they're the next navigational setting on the aircraft, they were supposed to come and then they were supposed yeah. to turn. The little tic-tac gets there before them, oh. waits for them, and then goes, anyway, they're always found uh, over water. Wow. So here's my theory. Yeah. Atlantis. No, there's something in the water. Wow. We know 5% per, five percent wow. of the oceans we've, we've actually uh, discovered, we've, 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 uh, ventured into can this be the rest five yeah. percent this should be our conversation every in, time before what now it's in the 95 <laughs> yeah. percent of that ocean yeah you cannot tell me yeah that there's not something somebody down there i'm yeah. telling you i yes wow jar jar Binks is down <laughs> under the <laughs> gungan city <laughs> Misa. he is flying in that tic tac <laughs> every time Oh no! No, I'm not. I oh. actually am not kidding about this. I, I find My it theory. super fascinating because it's been all over the place. The declassified everything's right. Well, and they've tried to get them declassify other stuff, and they yeah. they won't do it. Now. Yeah, it's so so. Like, ooh, ooh, we went too have? far. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Do you remember the raid on Area 51? That yeah, that happened. I mean, only like like two million people signed up for it, but only like 200 ended up going, and they didn't do it. But I, I just think that you like, would have joined them. That was kind of your <laughs> no, no. Were you there? No, I don't know. Johnny, I wouldn't spirit, be that, I would, yeah, I wouldn't be that surprised to find you down there. Why? Because I like driving, Star Wars. Just driving by, and Tommy's dressed up in his Luke Luke Skywalker outfit. John, Tommy, what are you doing? Um, uh, nothing. 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 Yeah, I'm certainly uh. not looking for aliens. Oh my goodness! I think yeah. Th I find I find them very fascinating because of like my favorite one though by far is uh flat earth oh yeah the that one brings favorite meaning dumb yeah it's it's so enjoyable to yeah. just hear 
yeah. the arguments that are just, I mean, I, I like that. I like like the, yeah. can you make a good right, point so out of something the next ridiculous? Time you, the next time we come and do this, you need to bring your best argument for uh, a conspiracy. Yeah, can theory. we do a mock? Yeah, we could do a mock debate Yeah. Okay. on a conspiracy. All you right. take one side, I take the other. And we'll see. The people will be our judge of who is right. <laughs> Shadow lizard government is the nice anyway. <laughs> They're all lizard people, the Illuminati. All right. You know way too much about this I stuff. I love Holy it. I, like I said, I, I find it so fascinating that people just create like these entire narratives out of seemingly nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Just the odd detail here must be something behind that. Let's take it to the furthest extreme that you could possibly take it. All right. Speaking of furthest extremes from where we can possibly take it, it's who now, are we interviewing yeah, today? Yeah, now we segue into the conversation. We are interviewing Pastor Britt Gilman, who is the campus pastor at our Elgin campus. And uh, he's going to tell us his story because everyone has a story and that's what we're going to get into right now. Let's go. Well, here I sit with uh, Britt Gilman, Pastor Britt Gilman of uh, Harvest Bible Chapel. Britt, how long have you worked at Harvest Bible Chapel? 16 years. Holy smokes. Yeah. In what, in what roles have you served here? So it started out in the compassion ministry. Kind of... What was that? Came in the back door by starting a ministry called Harvest House. So that was back in 2005. I was working for a sports ministry called the Chicago Eagles, and we used soccer to share the gospel. And we were doing a lot of ministry overseas and also around here. And we had moved out, Renee and I and our family had moved out to Elgin in and 2005. Happily we'll married 25 years. Yeah. Uh, and I would drive by these apartments every day on the way to work in Wheaton, under-resourced community. And I just went to a guy named Kent Steiner, who was our compassion pastor at the time. I was like, man, we should do something together in that neighborhood. He's like, yeah, let's do it. And long story short, out of that was born a ministry called Harvest House, where we just tried to take the gospel into an under-resourced neighborhood in Elgin, build bridges. And it was, it was amazing, five years of doing that. And then from there, transitioned into adult ministry. And then about three years ago, stepped up, into the campus pastor role. Wow. What's yeah. been your, okay, what, what's been your favorite one? Oh, man. I mean, they all have high points, right? Yeah. They've been amazing. Every okay, one of them. Okay, but you have to pick one. Harvest House. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Incarnational ministry. Like, we were literally renting an apartment in this community. Everybody thought we lived there, but we really just used it as a home base for doing after-school clubs and ESL and youth mentoring. Uh, there was a, uh, the very first place that we did some of our crazy ministry uh, was this field that did a really good job of collecting broken glass, syringes, and knives. Holy cow. And so we just decided a couple years later, you know what, we're going to take this field for Jesus. And we raised the money, we worked with the city, and we built a park. 
Oh, wow. That's so great. it was like a hundred K we got the volunteers and there's now today Cornerstone park wow. in this Mulberry court neighborhood. And that was a, that was a beautiful day. And my kids will tell me, cause you, they were really little at the time. They're like, that was the coolest way to grow up. You, you are a real life Leslie Nope. Do you know what that's a reference to? No idea. Parks and Recreation. It's a TV show. <laughs> I'm so uncool. <laughs> Speaking of cool, Britt, uh, first of all, how, how old are you? I am 52 in two weeks. All right. So born in 1970. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. Where, where, where are you from? Like, if you, like where are you from? Uh, Chicago. Really raised in Evanston. Okay, North. Yeah. Is that at North Shore? That's the one with. That's mm-hmm. where Northwest. Yeah, uh, Northwestern. Northwestern sorry, is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Their football team was so bad when we were growing up that you could just walk into the stadium because no one was there. Are they good now? Uh, they're better. All right, yeah. but it's it's kind of like the s- snooty Stanford of the Midwest, though, isn't it? Kind of like Pretty so. Much. In the end, I mean, people wouldn't go to Northwestern to play football. I bet, right? <laughs> They're trying. Okay. They're trying. I've always been shocked that Stanford's any good at any of these things. I know. <laughs> yeah. But, right, yeah, so, so grew you, up grew in Evanston. Up, you grew up in Evanston. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents, Christians? No. No. Uh, brothers and sisters, how many? Only child. Uh, have some half or well, that stepsisters. That explains a lot. I know. I got problems. Uh, but some half or stepsisters, I don't know how you figure that out, but through some other relationships. So really just grew up by myself, though. Okay. Yeah. And what, what did your parents do for work or? So my mom, uh, is, um, she, she worked for the United Methodist church in a, um, a part of it called the board of pensions. She was a meeting planner. And so she had actually had a really cool job. She would plan these big, more or less conventions for people from the United Methodist church to meet in different parts of the country so actually, we got to kind of ride her wake and have some cool trips as a family. Um, me, my adoptive dad, I can tell you more about that later. Yeah. Uh, sometimes my half-sister, we would go to different places around the East Coast or the West. So we got some pretty cool experiences okay, there. Wh- what places did you go? What do I, you remember? Uh, I remember Seattle, uh, Boston. Seattle uh, was the best one there. Of course, yes. Boston? Do so, you know, you just named the two places... That are the most important to me. I was born in yep. Boston and grew up in Seattle. So, well done. You're welcome. Way, way to brown nose that. <laughs> anyway, Seattle, Boston, and? I think we did California, like San Fran. Okay. Yeah. That's it, a, I mean, for a little guy, that's I know. pretty great. It was for the really Midwest cool. To travel I, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, you can ask whatever you want, but that has been something in my life that I've been blessed to be able to do is travel a lot. Yeah. Starting at a really little age, I got to be in Europe for a while. And then when I was a teenager, you were in Europe when you were a little guy, I was a little guy. My biological dad was involved with business. It took us overseas. So we lived over in Switzerland. Wow. For hold a minute. On, hold on. This is know. really important stuff. Yeah. How old were you when you lived in Switzerland? You live in Evanston. Yeah. And did you move to Switzerland from Evanston? Okay, so my biological dad and my mom and I lived in Glenview, which is just a little bit further up the North Shore. Okay. And during that season of my life, which was like zero to three, we lived in Glenview for a bit, but then also lived over in Europe. And when we were in Europe, it was, I 
Did you go for like certain months of the Austria. year? I don't know. Okay, I know there's a picture of me in like a snowsuit as a, just yeah. a little dude. Where in Austria? Black, I think. Okay. Yeah. So my mom has all the scrapbooks, of course, and there's a picture of me in some in brown snowsuit and nice. skis. And yeah. And that's yeah. the proof. Yeah. She probably just, dude, <laughs> she just told you stories and you, that she got, she got that picture in your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were in, in Europe. So how, how long was your biological dad part of your, your family? Cause you mentioned yeah. a minute ago that, that you had uh, an adoptive father as well. Yeah. So his name was Gary Lapore, my biological dad, and he was with us till I was three. And then he just, made some poor decisions and that was that. And we were evicted from our home. And then my mom's. So he, he left. He left. Yeah. Yeah. And actually left the country and I oh. didn't really ever see him. I can come back to that part of the story in a minute. Um, but he left, we were evicted. And then his sister, my aunt Jan was her name and her husband, Jim brought us into their home oh, and wow. we lived with them for think like a year or two maybe my my main memory from that is they got me a drum set oh, yeah. what every four-year-old boy but you were, yeah, you're four years old this yeah. is probably one of your earlier memories then it is is living with your your aunt and uncle mm-hmm. and they were gold i mean they stepped in filled the gap and then my mom and i moved to evanston when i was four or five okay and we lived in a little apartment and She's going to kill me for this, but she said, I could tell you everything that you would want to know. <laughs> so uh, my memory of that little apartment was I slept on a bed in the kitchen. Okay. So I so was a little te- apartment. I always teased her that I slept with my head in the oven, Oh yeah. <laughs> but that was a great time. Actually really good memories of me and her together. How long were you in is it living in a little apartment with your head in the oven? Yeah. So that was probably like two years. Okay. So you're moving, you're moving around a lot. With, so we moved from Glenview to Evanston, and then we were pretty much in Evanston the rest of my life growing up. Okay. Minus those, like, zero So you consider three. yourself a true Chicagoite? I do. Chicago, is that what yeah. I city you call boy. that? Chicagoite. Yeah. But, like, sit, city Chicago. Well, I mean, Evanston's not your normal suburb. Like, it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of suburb to it, but it's got some urban to it as yeah. well. Yeah. Do you still get, does your mom still live there? Yeah. So my mom lives in Elgin right by us. And it's really been sweet to be able to do life as a family together. And she's been a part of our kids' lives from pretty much day one. And can I just say, by the way, my mom has an amazing story of God at work in her life. It's just so clear watching her that God loves her and has restored her. And it's just nothing short of miraculous how God has been at work in my mom. And can I just say she really loves our church too. She's an incredible volunteer at the Elgin campus. Love my mom. That's fantastic. Yeah. So um, were you into sport? You were in soccer. So you didn't up leading stuff with soccer later you're kind of a sportsman yeah i I loved everything sports like i was all right everything badminton i loved it my favorite oh it's not yes totally i mean we would have knocked down drag out badminton battles in gym it was awesome yeah what is the weirdest sport you've played then Uh, in europe you were part of uh were you part of Athletes in Action for a while there? 
Well, a ministry very similar. Yeah. Missionary Athletes International was the, yeah. the official name, and then each office that um, worked under that umbrella would, took on an, a local identity yeah. to make it relevant to the soccer culture. Yeah. And so in Chicago, the office that I and another guy opened up was called the Chicago Eagles. Okay. So that when we would go to a, a closed country, mm-hmm. you know, like you're, China or yeah. someplace like that, like they're not going to let in missionary athletes international. No, but you're going to come in as the Eagles, right? Yeah. Uh, did you soccer was the one that you kind of gravitated to? Yeah. So Evanston was a really diverse multicultural community. Yeah. And so way back in the dark ages of soccer in the United States late seventies, early eighties, there weren't many suburbs that were into soccer like nowadays for sure. So Evanston, because of how urban diverse it was, had a pretty decent soccer community that was made up of Haitians, Jamaicans, Croatians, Polish. I mean, it was the coolest experience. I was the only little American white guy in my team pretty much. Yeah. And so we had the coolest time playing on a team called the Pele Stars. The Pele Stars. Because the guy who started the club was actually the translator for Pele when he would come to the United States. So we had our blue and gold jerseys, and we would play in this very uh, multicultural league in Chicago against the Vikings and Pumas and all these ethnic teams. It was so cool. And you were, what, what position did you play in soccer? Midfield defense. Okay. Yeah. A defender. You're not a big guy and you're playing defense. More on the wing. Okay. Yeah. But I, I love to hit people. It was fun. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Who's your favorite soccer team? Don't you dare say this. Don't you dare. I so want to say it right now, yeah. but it would not be true. I have the, the jersey. The reason I'm saying that right now <laughs> to, to Britt is because uh, my favorite soccer team is in yes. North London and it's called Arsenal. Yes. The their, their bitter rivals. Are the are Tottenham Hotspur? Let's go, Spurs. And uh, Spurs never win anything. <laughs> True, ever. Yeah. Uh, Arsenal's won a lot, but recently Arsenal's not been very good. And Spurs has been. This has been a. It's been a positive moment for Spurs. Mm-hmm. But I hate Spurs. And you sent me a picture of yourself in Spurs <laughs> gear today. Yes. And I You're did welcome. not like it at all. No. No. So do you follow Spurs again? These are English Premier League teams. Yes. For those who don't know, uh, are you? Do you follow soccer now? Fervently. Okay. Yeah. The love, English Premier League. Love to watch the Premier League, followed closely by the MLS here in in the states. Okay. You a Chicago uh, Fire fan? It's hard. It's a love hate relationship. Okay. When they first started, they were amazing, and they've been terrible ever since. Okay. Uh, but my son and I, we were. At the crossroads, who's going to be our team? And we didn't want to be, you know, those people that will be Manchester United fans because they're just Man U or Arsenal or... So we were like, who's going to be our team and like be authentic about it? And we had just watched a series on Amazon about Leeds United. There it is. That's our team. (laughs) Leeds United. And it's not been easy. It's not been easy. Leeds is a blue-collar town in uh, the northern part of England, yeah. and yeah. it's kind of near Manchester. Yeah. And it is, their f- their football, their soccer team oh. is like the town. It's yep. a blue-collar like the Packers. team. But there were several years ago, they started mm-hmm. beating up on mm-hmm. on lots of other teams, like yeah. uh, Manchester United and, and others. And uh, they, for, for one short moment, were, were quite good. Yeah. Yeah. It was a blip. 
but yeah, they'll be back. They've cool. got an American manager and two Americans playing on their team. Okay. So, so that's the reason that you're there. You're into cool. it now. <laughs> anyway, if you ever want to watch the Premier League, it's on, on Saturday mornings. You can get up. Leads are usually in all white or all yellow, but mostly <laughs> all, all white. And uh, they have a, a penchant for, for losing in dire, horrible yeah, ways. That's true. It's painful. So, <laughs> so um, right. So you, you're growing up as a soccer player yeah. and stuff. You're not interested at all in Christian things because your family's not... Yeah, so my family was very spiritual. You know, think 70s, 80s. Yeah, there was a lot of, of yeah. spirituality out there. So in my family, I had two spiritual influences. One was, um, well, both were uncles. Uh, one was that Uncle Jim that I mentioned a moment ago, married to my Aunt Jan. He was one of the pioneers in the self-help weekend warrior kind of movement that swept through the States back in the seventies, eighties, where you would go away for a weekend and you would sit in these seminars and just kind of pre Tony Robbins kind of stuff okay. and do a lot of, not a bad thing, a lot of self-reflection and where can I be better? But it was all self. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because of just the family dynamics, he was a major influencer on my life. So whatever uncle Jim said, okay, I'll, uh, yes, I believe it. And then my mom's brother also, um, my uncle was a big time Buddhist. In fact, he's, according to family legend, when the Dalai Lama would come to the United States, he would, my uncle Richard would be kind of like his escort. Wow. So it, it wasn't like he was just kind of practicing that on the weekends. Like he was all like in. These, yeah, these two uncles that you had were pretty, pretty yeah. committed to their so, particular. Yeah. And so what that did for me was it opened me to spiritual things. Yeah. Like I was aware that there, there must be a God. Now combine that with, you know, my mom grew up in the 50s, 60s and a Methodist, I think, or Presbyterian background. So she was faithful to trying to teach me that there is a God and the Lord's Prayer. I remember her sitting with me on my bed teaching me about the Lord's Prayer. But honestly, we were nothing more than, than priesters for the most part. Yeah. In my memory, we would go to a, either the Evanston Presbyterian or Methodist church and I'd I was a champion daydreamer. <laughs> I would just daydream until it was over. Yeah. And my memory, you know, of church was, find, I, I find can't a safe sing place. any of these songs, find, <laughs> find a, a, a safe place to yeah, go in, in my head. Mind. And, uh, and hopefully it ends soon. But God would use that man to open, help me be open to spiritual things so that when the time did come for him to knock on the door of my heart, I was, he didn't have to do an Indian rub on my arm yeah. to open, persuade me. So how to, did that happen? When, when, when did, when, when do you look back and say, yeah, that's actually kind of around the time that I think I came to faith in Christ? Yeah. So my mom remarried when I was seven right. to a gentleman named Bill Gilman. And as you can tell from the name, yeah. he legally adopted me, which at the time was bananas. Like, cool. <laughs> like, yeah. I get a new last name. None of my friends are getting new last names. I get a day away from school to go to the courthouse and best of all, this guy's like choosing me. Yeah. He wants to be my dad. And he, I, he, yes, awesome. Yeah, and so everything was going really great for a while. And then he, because, you know, he wasn't rooted in Christ. He unfortunately made some really bad decisions and ended up leaving our family. And that was a relief on the one hand, because he went from being my hero to a villain, mm. just fighting all the time. He was drinking. It was just 
chaos. And then how old, old were you in 14? Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, now that I am a dad, I know like that was a pretty tragic moment for me to have him leave. Yeah. Period. But especially how he did. And so I was a wreck. I mean, I'm 14, 15 years old. What 14, 15 year old boy has it all together anyways, but throw in that into the cocktail and I'm a disaster, just emotional all over the place. And there was a young woman that was the manager to our sophomore soccer team there at Evanston High School, which that had to be a divine appointment because why would she do that? (laughs) But she could tell that I was hurting and she said, hey man, you should come with me to my youth group. And it was actually Young Life, parachurch ministry. And I went, and the first night we played a game that's, I think, been outlawed by all things church. It's called Chubby Bunny. <laughs> Chubby. <laughs> Where you stick marshmallows in your mouth yeah, till you no, choke. That's right. Uh, How'd you come to faith in Christ? Yeah. Chubby Bunny. Yeah. And so I remember playing that game and feeling just like, these people are cool. They're fun. And they have something I don't have. Yeah. I don't know what it is, though but I'm going to keep coming. And so I did, I kept coming and the, the, the peers and most of all the leaders were just again, kind and loving exactly what I needed in that pretty tough season for me. And then I went to the summer camp and like I said, I had, because of how I grew up, I was pretty open to all things spiritual, mm-hmm. but I remember sitting in the big, room where it was hot and sweaty with uh, 250 teenagers and this guy just brought the gospel Mm -hmm. and I couldn't resist it yeah and he said Romans 10 9 you know confess with your mouth and I remember standing in front of all these kids and I didn't really know what I was doing exactly but I knew that I needed to embrace that free gift that was being offered to me the knock on the door was hard to resist but I made that decision with God right by a tree stump outside the lodge at that Young Life camp up in Minnesota. I said, God, I'll do this as long as you help me make the varsity soccer team. Yeah, totally. I'll make you a deal, Lord. (laughs) Yeah, so I did make the team. I'm not sure if that was a grace or not. (laughs) But it really, this is why I love what I get to do now because I didn't get grace. When you say you didn't get it, you didn't understand it. Yeah, I believe with all my heart that July of 1985, I repented of my sin and became an adopted child of God. But because of just a a lack of understanding of what the gospel really meant and what grace really means, unmerited favor, and not really taking my discipleship as seriously as I could have or should have, I kind of wandered for a while. And went through the rest of high school and college, just like a, just like the little boat that Paul talked about in Ephesians, just back and forth, mm. moved by the winds of the world. And out of one side of my mouth, I'm like Jesus, and at the other side, not so much. Other words, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you played soccer in in, in uh, college then. I did, yeah. Division three college. It was fun. What's the name of the college? DePaul. Not DePaul. Not DePaul. 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 Yeah. So it's, it's like down a southern. It's Indiana. like a, somebody saw DePaul and <laughs> was like, I can't. DePaul. DePaul in Indiana. Yep. Still there? It is. Okay. Do you yeah. ever go back? 
Uh, I went back in my 20s, probably, okay. but I haven't been in like a while. You, if you had a weekend off, you wouldn't be thinking, I'm going to go back to my no. alma mater. No. Okay, but you played soccer there. I did. And yeah. do you play four years? Is that kind of what happened? Were you guys yeah. any good? We went to the national tournament one year. Oh. Uh, we competed against really good teams. Um, yeah, we were pretty good. Pretty good. It was fun. Did you grab what's your degree in? Did you get a degree? English composition. What? Yeah. You're a writer? Well, I try. Is that the kind of thing that someone who's really good at English composition says? Do you know how the people <laughs> who are, like they know if I'm a golfer and I'm amazing yeah. compared to everybody else, but I know that Tiger Woods is out there, you're like, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can write a good email, I think. All right. Yeah. So for my college seminar, I had to do a big project, of course. And so we had a, a, a magazine that was published by the university. And from my senior seminar, I interviewed the Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan in, in Putnam County, Indiana. I know. That's an interview. Crazy. So I remember driving to his house way out in the sticks in Indiana. Really? Out in the sticks? That's yeah, shocking. Go figure, right? <laughs> and this is pre-cell phone. Yeah. Remember those days? I do. And so I think I may have told my mom what I was doing, but there was no like find my friend or anything. Like yeah. I could have disappeared and no one would have known. But we did an interview and wrote an article and it was a trip. Did you think that you were going to be in uh, in like journalism or something? Or are we going to write a book or a writer? Did, or was it just, I just am good at it. And yeah, so I'm just you know, take that. DePaul was a real like fast track to the business world school. And so I had done an internship at Anderson Consulting during my yeah. college years. And so marketing was probably where I was thinking I might go with that. But I... I did an internship that was really cool during a J term while I was in college, take like a month and intern okay. at a different place. And so I did that. But prior to that, I had done some different J terms where we did mission trips. Okay. So you've kind of grown in your faith while you're at this school. Yeah. And my eyes are being open to like the impact that you can have and you're making a difference in the world. But then there's this competing voice from my university and all my fraternity brothers, like, no, you got to go to the business world, get the suit, make a lot of money. Okay. And so I did the internship my senior year of college. It was a month. So it was not long enough to really get a feel for how miserable I would be doing yeah. that. But I went for it after college. And the day that I, so I, I'm actually working for Anderson Consulting after college. Okay. That's your dream first come job. true. Like, oh my gosh, I'm working for this company. Yeah. And I was so bored. <laughs> I actually went to the bathroom one day, sat in the stall and pretty much fell asleep. Yeah. I was just bored out of my mind. Cause that's a move that many, many, many have done before you. <laughs> I'm glad to know I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I just, I was like, I got, I can't do this. And so that's when I started to go after getting a, uh, a degree in being a teacher. So oh. I was going to go and be an English teacher and soccer coach at my old high school. Okay. I want to get, pick that up. You yeah. were in a fraternity? I was. Which Phi one? Phi Kappa Psi. Phi Kappa Psi. Yeah. Or Phi Kappa Psi. C. Phi Kappa Psi. Do you agree? That's scholars. how you actually say it. <laughs> I, they always say it wrong in the... I think some of my drunk fraternity brothers may have said it that way yeah, sometimes. Man. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What's the yeah. what's the uh, best part of being in a fraternity at DePaul 
University. Ooh, I'll have to search hard for that because it was pretty awful. Okay, what's the worst part? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's hedonism to the max. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a beautiful, how about this? It was a gorgeous house. Oh, wow. Like gigantic mansion, stone, probably built in the early 1900s. It was gorgeous. Um, but once you get inside and you start living with, you know, 80, mm-hmm. 100 men, with no supervision. Yeah, it's not usually finish a, the sentence. Yeah, like, great thing. It was pretty bad. It's like so. Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I tried to stand firm for my faith. Not super great. Yeah. It was it's hard. a challenging place. It was to really do hard. It. Yeah. So you became a teacher. I was on my way to be a teacher. I was a little bit. What like were you going to teach? Squirrel. English composition. It, you were going to teach English. English. Yeah. And coach soccer. Yep. All right. I thought that was it. Like. Dream. Yeah. Did you have a job lined up at your old high school? I was. Yeah. I was heading toward that. All right. And then an opportunity came up because I was now getting full full speed ahead with coaching. Like I wanted to be soccer coach to as, as far as I could go with that. And so I was coaching with what they called at the time the Olympic Development Program. And that was kind of the track at that time in the 90s that guys would take to go play division one college, yeah, and yeah. maybe even pro. So I was working with some guys from the area that did that as well as they owned a soccer store and it was called soccer express. And they had one in crystal Lake and they had another store in Hoffman estates. And I remember growing up as a soccer rocker in Evanston thinking we, there's like, there's nowhere to get soccer gear. Yeah. This was, believe it or not, there was a day before the internet. Yeah. So there well, was, you had to go to the store. You had yeah. to go to a store and there was, you had to go so far to just get a simple pair of clothes and shin guards. I was like, man, you guys, you should start a store down by where I live. And they're like, yeah, we should. Let's do it together. Like, I'm like 23 years old. I yeah. have no, I was an English major. I have no idea. I'm like, it's okay. We'll help you. And I remember going and seeking some counsel and they're like, yeah, I don't think you should do that. I'm like, I'm 23. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but sure enough, like six months later, because of the, all the relationships they had with Adidas and Puma and Nike, yeah. they just grafted this new store in Skokie, a neighboring town to Evanston, into the little chain that we had. And bada bing, bada boom, we had a store with a big neon sign and everything right there Called on Soccer Dempster Express. Street. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And we did it for three years. When you say we did it, were you managing it? I was, yeah, it was basically me running it. And those guys were there to help coach me and provide counsel, help, a shoulder to cry on when I wasn't making money. <laughs> which was often? Which was pretty much the entire time. Yeah. So that- At any point along this line, if I had stopped and I'd said, you know, Britt, someday you're going to be working at a church for I all these years. I laughed uncontrolled. Because prior to the church, you were working in Christian ministry with, mm-hmm. with soccer. Yeah. Yeah. So the, God used that store to do a couple things. One, um, to grow my faith that he is Jehovah Jireh, yeah, the, the Lord who provides. Yeah. And the reason for that was because I remember standing in front of the store by the cash register in February of probably year two of the store being $19,000 in debt. 
we had we had bills to Nike, Adidas, and Puma do, and they don't play nice. Mm. You don't pay their bills, they shut you down. Mm. And I I knew that there might be some bill some um, invoices that might be getting paid, perhaps possibly, who knows? And I just remember praying, Lord, I'm desperate. I need you to provide. I, Please, and he did. Really, he did against all through the invoices. Yeah, yeah, and and again, that was a. I mean, yes, they they needed to be paid, but the timing, the timing of it was it's crazy. So convincing that only God could have done that. And so, were you married at this point? Thank God, no, (laughs) no, I hadn't met Renee yet, and that's a whole other story. Um, But that would be the the experience that God would use to draw me really back to himself. Cause up to that point, like I said, I yeah. totally convinced saved at 15 lived like an idiot for almost 10 years. And then that store experience of basically poverty in every way is what God would use to bring me to the place of going, okay, Jesus, you need to be more than my savior. You need to be Lord of my life. As much as I know how as a 24 year old, yeah. Take it, please. I'm making a mess of my life. Yeah. And he did. And that's when things really started to change because one of the kids that I was coaching on the team, his dad was a um, pastor at the Vineyard Church that was meeting at my high school. Oh. And all I knew of church to that point was stoic, gothic right. buildings. Like, But here's this Vineyard Church, like yeah. cool name, cool sign, meeting at my high school. I should go check that out. And... I went, I remember walk to this day, I remember walking into the auditorium at my high school and seeing people worshiping like we see in our church. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've never seen this before. This is weird, but it's also pretty cool. Mm. And I kept going and kept going. And that would be one of the first big steps that the spirit would take me on to going, like really returning to him. And yeah. then that would also, that whole experience of my faith being grown, strengthened through provision would be then what would lead to saying, okay, God. Yeah. You can go and be a missionary, which is yeah, what you ended up doing yeah, with exactly. soccer. And that led to harvest. I, before we finish, I need to know, yeah, where did you meet your wife? Okay. Which version do you want? I, what, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, the G rated one? Yeah. PG? Sure. Okay. So my mom knew Renee before I did. So Renee's cousin was our famous chiropractor. Okay. Okay. His name was Gary. And they were also friends outside of my mom and her husband at the time were friends with Gary. And through some different, you know, hangout times that my mom and her husband, Jim and Gary had, they met Renee. Mm -hmm. And of course, my mom fell in love with Renee because that's just the kind of amazing woman that she is. And my mom, I remember her coming home one day saying, you need to really meet this young lady. She wants to get more involved at church, which at the time was Willow Creek. And I was like, mom, I can totally read you like a book right now. You're trying trying to set me up. up." Like, no. And so, but I played along with it. And for one reason or another, we never were able to connect at New Community, the midweek service at Willow Creek. Well, around that same time, I developed this condition where I was constantly going to the bathroom. Number one. I think I have that problem. Yeah. Well, we're 50 now. So, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but I was 20 and it was really annoying. Yeah, it's a real problem. So I called up 
my chiropractor, Gary, yeah, maybe something cousin of Renee. And I'm like, Hey Gary, can you help me with this? And he's like, sure. Come on up. And so I was, I was in Evanston. His office was in Elgin. And as I'm driving up to Elgin, I realize, Oh my gosh, Renee's going to be there. And I've never met this woman. I've just heard about her and I've tried to kind of push Avoid her. Avoid her. Yeah. And so I walk into the clinic and there's a picture of welcome our new doctor, Renee. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> she's gorgeous. And so I, so get, then all of a sudden your, your hesitations changed. Yes. So I get into the treatment room and in comes Gary and in comes Renee. Renee. And I know who she is, but she doesn't realize who I am yet. And she, because she's kind of still in finishing up her degree, interning with, yep. with her, her cousin, she's doing all the questioning. So she's asking me all kinds of questions and I'm just turning beet red. Are you now? Yeah. And... Did well, she notice it? That since then, of course, you've asked her, did she notice you turning beet red or was this oh, yeah, another business sure. event for her? So eventually she figures out who I am. Ah, uh, yeah. And she's suddenly really embarrassed. And by the end of the, the time there in the, the treatment room, I'm like, you know what? What do I have to lose? Hey, Renee, want to go out sometime? And she said, yes. Yes. Wow. And there it is. 25 years deal. later. What? <laughs> you have kids. How many? Two, Mariah, 20, almost 21, two months. She's a uh, student at Columbia College yeah. studying musical theater, and she knows they're not called starving artists for nothing. Yeah. And she's super smart like her mom and loves like caring for people. And so she's studying speech pathology as well. Wow. And then our son, Jordan, he's 19. He's a freshman at Messiah University he's in placed. Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And he's there because... He's playing for their soccer team. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty amazing. They've won a lot of national championships. That's so great. Very happy for him. Britt, I have a, a quick lightning round. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Um, when did you lose your hair? <laughs> I remember right after college, I was started, you know, I'd take a shower and I'd put my hand through my hair and it would, there would be a lot of hair in my hand. Have you so always it was been right after college is when it started to go. Have you always been a clean shaven guy though? Like you, you're no beards, no, no goatees, I, no mustaches. I've tried and I just, I get to like five days and I want to rip my face okay. off. Are you a musician, mu <laughs> musician at all? I played the trumpet when I was growing up. <gasps> if I asked you to play the trumpet right now and we had one here, could you do it? Could you Timmy trumpet this thing? I could bugle it kind oh, of. Oh my no, goodness. No, probably not. When did you stop playing trumpet? I think I stopped eighth grade, freshman year. All right. Yeah. I regret that. I Which, wish I could what do it over. What sport are you worst at that you've played? It can't be one you didn't play. What what are you worst at? Well, based on the Pastors Cup tournament a couple of weeks ago, I would say golf. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I really want to be better. Yeah, you have to commit yourself a lot, a lot to, to golf. And it's expensive. Oh, I know. It's hard. It's expensive. It's an evil game. Yeah. If you get to go on, on like a vacation to mm. anywhere at all, mm. where do you go? Where would I go or where would Sure. We? Do the first one. Where would you go and then where do you go? Renee and I want to go back to her motherland. 
to Ireland, Scotland. That's she's a McMurray. So we would love to hey. go to the UK. I yes. love. I've been to London, and it's the past town. Yeah. Okay. From, yeah. So that would be the both. Where we want to go. Okay, but that's where you want to go. Where do you go? Do you have like a family holiday spot? So. Growing up for like 15 years, we went to the west coast of Michigan to a place called Maranatha. It's right by Muskegon or okay. Grand Haven, Michigan. Yeah, I don't know. And it was that. a Christian family so camp and we would run a soccer camp every year and get to just bring our families with a few other family friends that we just did life with together for like And you do years. that now? Or you we did, did it? It's, kids are while. old now, old, but yeah. it was an the best memories. The camping thing? You have to go camping? Well, my Renee was really nervous when we first went because she's thinking like tents and dirt floors and no, it's glamour camping. You a camping sure. guy? You like camping? I was in Boy Scouts growing up okay. and so I, I served my time. Britt, you have way too many things that you've done and are good at. These kinds <laughs> of interviews, if somebody asked me, I'd be like, yeah, I, I, I do one thing pretty good <laughs> and it's talking and that's it. And then, sometimes it, it. And then sometimes it gets me in trouble. <laughs> I want to shut up. It is such a pleasure to uh, both talk to you now, but also mm. to have gotten to know you over yeah. the last year. You are a uh, true godsend to this church in Thank many you. ways. Britt, by the way, is one of our most caring guys around, and it is a real pleasure to have his gift mix involved in our church. He's uh, going to be involved a lot, I think, in pastoral care in the days and years to come. Yeah. So Thanks, man. Yeah, it is great to have you. Uh, also, the rest of you, uh, it's great having you along. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>